So if you have your copy of God's Word, I would encourage you uh, to uh, get over to the book of Mark, chapter 5, Mark chapter 5, and um, some of you have your, uh, your written copy of God's Word, some of you have your digital copy of God's Word, some of you just rely on the screen, you know, it's all God's Word. And what we, what we learn in the book of John, actually, the Word of God is actually a person, if you actually look at it, and that is Jesus Christ, who has been uh, from the beginning of all creation. And so, um, as we dive into week four of this series entitled Call of Duty, it is our calling and it is our duty uh, to face uh, darkness, to, to uh, fight um, the, um, the spiritual warfare, because spiritual warfare is real. We talked about that in week one, uh, how there's an invisible world around us, and then there is a, uh, an invisible war that's uh, happening. And the reason why there's a war, because there's a formidable foe. There's, a, there's an enemy, Satan, who desires to steal, kill, and destroy. He's causing fear, apprehension, and dread. But we do not need to fear that because we fight from a position from victory, not for victory. In other words, the victory has already been won. Right? Victory has already been won. You, as believers of Jesus Christ, you need to wrap your head around that. You need to live your life like that. You fight from a position from victory, not for victory. You don't have to fight for it because it's already been won. All right? So that's really, really important. Um, we learned in week two, we, we talked about how the enemy uh, gets, uh, gets a hold of our marriages and how he steals, kills, and destroys our joy. And the way he does it, we use the story of Adam and Eve. And how the devil, from the beginning of time, and the first man and woman put together in holy matrimony, uh, the devil came and he, um, he, he tried to steal things from them, and he does the same thing with us. In other words, that we, that we saw with Adam and Eve, he, uh, he attacks us when we feel alone. He turns commandments into questions. Did God really say? Okay, if you've got questions in your mind, from a commandment of God, then, then, then the enemy's trying to attack you. Uh, he also twists boundaries to make you feel like the victim, okay? He twists the boundaries in your life. Boundaries are good in your life, especially in a marriage. But Satan will use those boundaries and he will twist it in a way to where, oh, you can't really have that. You can't really look at that person, you know? You, you, you can't talk to this person. You can't flirt with this person. And so it makes you feel like the victim, like you really can't do that. And the way he did it with Eve is, is he's, he said, oh, you can't eat from any tree in the, in, in the garden? And that's not what God said. God said you can eat from all the trees except for one. But Satan twists that and made Eve feel like a victim, and if you're feeling like a victim, then it could be that you are falling for the evils, um, the enemy's uh, trap. And uh, he, he, he gives us lies. We, if we hang around long enough, like Eve did, we believe those lies and we start to form fantasies. Ooh, that, that fruit looks really good. It looks so tempting. I, I, I've, I've eaten all these other fruits, but this one, I would love to eat at that fruit. That's, that's just how he uh, tempts us in our world today, especially in our marriages. And then when we do sin, we try to cover it up. We, we play the blame game. We blame it on somebody else. So uh, the enemy attacks marriages. And I know not everyone's married, but when you do get married, and if that's God calling on your life, then know this, he will, uh, the enemy will uh, fight you in that way. Last week, we talked about identity theft, 
identity theft, how the enemy, and, and, and Satan did this with Jesus. He, um, he tried to steal or mess up or confuse his identity. Of course, he, Jesus knew who his identity was. And we saw last week, when Jesus was baptized, a voice came from heaven and says, this is my son who I am well pleased. Even before any miracle, before any teaching, before anything, I'm proud of Jesus. I am so proud of him. It doesn't matter what he's done. And what Satan tried to do is, if you are the son of God, then you will do this. If you've got if-then statements circling in your head, there's a good possibility that the enemy's trying to come in and tempt you and trying to mess up your identity of who you are. If you are this, then you can do this, okay? He did that with Jesus. If you are the son of God, you could turn these stones of bread. Performance. He tempted him with the performance. And so he does the same thing with us. If you are this, then you will do this. And when we fall short of that performance, which often we do, right, often we do, then uh, the, the problem is we begin to question our worth and value, which are tied to our identity. Satan will also tempt us with possessions and power. Our net worth is not what matters, but our self-worth that comes from knowing who we are in Christ. And as we saw last week, uh, Satan will tempt us with pride. Satan's temptation is for you to gain your acceptance, appreciation, and significance from others instead of God and his word. So if you're looking to others for your identity, if you're looking to, for your possession, to your possessions or power for your identity, okay, or your position, and if you're looking for how you perform for people, then you're searching for the wrong place for your identity. You're, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, your identity is in Jesus Christ. We just sing about that. You are who you say I am. You are who you say I am. I am a child of God. Sometimes we just need to look ourselves in a mirror and just remind ourselves, I am a child of God. And that is really, really important. That is who you are. Okay? So... We spent three weeks talking about a variety of things. Today, on this Halloween Sunday, I don't like when Halloween, I, on a Sunday, but that's how it is. We're going to look behind what we call this present darkness. So how did Halloween get started? Well, it kind of get, it really got started as um, Hall Halloween means All Hallows' Eve. So you take, um, and it's, it's centered around uh, All Saints' Day. It's a Catholic holiday, All Saints' Day, which is November 1st. So tomorrow... November 1st is All Saints Day. It's a, it's a day, it's a holy day where the Catholic Church sets aside and we remember uh, those saints. And, and so the, the enemy has taken uh, the day before the eve, okay, and, um, and the hollow, which means holy, and saying hollow is eve, Halloween, and it transferred into that and it became a day of just celebrating the dead, and uh, Satan has taken this, um, this, uh, uh, this holy day of, of, of what the Catholic Church has set aside and has used it for something very evil. This is a day when we are reminded that demons and evil spirits exist. And let me tell you something. If you question that demons and evil spirits exist, uh, then I would encourage you to do some study. <laughs> and I would encourage you 
Uh, because y- you could be walking blind in this world and you could be um, setting yourself up for a huge uh, target in your life. And so you just need to understand that they, they, they are real. Demons and evil spirits are in our world every day. They can have an effect on people, yes, even Christians. I get asked questions all the time uh, about, uh, over, the, over the years, about uh, demonic possession and demons and, and everything. And I'm no expert. Uh, I've, you know, I, I, I've um, you know, been around people who are, and I've read a few books on this. But basically, uh, if we're using God's word, then we can find out uh, really the question, the answers to these questions. But one question is, can someone be demon-possessed? And the answer is yes. Okay? Someone can be demon-possessed. We see this in God's word. Okay? There's lots of passages. In fact, the passage we're going to look at in Mark 5 is a story, an instance where someone is demon-possessed. A follow-up question I get from people is, do demon possessions occur today? And the answer is yes. Nothing says, nothing in God's word says that demon possessions will end. Thus, there is no reason to doubt it continues today, especially in the light of the variety of people who have claimed to encounter the uh, demonic, um, demonic possession. As I shared uh, in week one, uh, I shared about a, uh, an instance where I came across uh, a gentleman who was demon-possessed. I've been in church services where demons were cast out of people, and yes, it is real. Sometimes I want to check my children and make sure they're not demon-possessed because I'm like going, okay, that one right there is acting a lot like demon possession, right? Can I get an amen? Yeah, all right, that's good. Don't you want to just check their head, just make sure there's no 666 number on them or something like that? I did that to my brother one time, and it freaked him out. So another question I get is, can Christians be demon-possessed? And the answer to that is no, because the Holy Spirit and a demonic spirit cannot live in the same body or spirit of a person. Now, if if someone who claims to be a Christian is demon-possessed, then it probably is that they were never a, a Christian, never a believer, and they really don't walk with Christ. Now, however, a Christian can be oppressed by a demon, not possessed, but oppressed by a demon. There is a dis- distinct difference between being possessed by a demon and being oppressed or influenced by a demon. Demon possession involves a demon having direct and complete control over the thoughts and or actions of a person. Demon oppression or the influence, demon influence, involves a demon or demons attacking a person spiritually and are encouraging him or her into sinful behavior or other things. In all the New Testament passages dealing with spiritual warfare, there, there are no instructions to cast a demon out of a believer because it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't exist. We don't see that in the, in the early church, okay, in, the, in, the, in, in, in Acts and, and beyond. Believers are told to resist the devil, not cast him out. Now, when I mean by not cast him out, not cast him out of, you know, themselves, you are to resist the devil. We do have power to cast out demons from others, okay? And, uh, and demonic spirits are subject to Christians. We see this in Luke 10. You don't have to turn there, but Luke 10, 19 through 20, it says, and this is Jesus talking, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome 
all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. There are several places in scripture where Jesus encounters demonic spirits and he shows us how to have authority over them. Several places in scripture. But the example I want to share with today is an example that I ask you to turn to in Mark chapter 5. We're going to be in verses 1 through 20. Mark chapter 5, 1 through 20. Okay, here we go, verse 1. They went across the lake to the region of the uh, Gerasens. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his, his voice, what do you want with me? Jesus, son of the most high God, in God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus has said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. When Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send, him, send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed uh, begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, go to your people and tell them, how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed. Man, what a freaky story. Talk about something, talk about on Halloween. Can you imagine going to a graveyard and seeing a naked man bloody all over from cutting himself with stones and maybe some chains dangling from, from his wrists and, and feet that he had broken off and just going crazy and talking in multiple voices. Isn't that crazy? When I was about uh, 10 years old, this is when at a time we lived in Illinois. We lived in Illinois for like five years. And um, we lived kind of out in the country and, and, um, and I had heard that there was some sort of old graveyard um, kind of back behind the woods. And so I wanted to do something really weird. And so I decided uh, on Halloween, I would go by myself to this graveyard on Halloween. Um, and I think it was around midnight when I did this. So I snuck out of the house. I mean, don't ever try this, okay? This was stupid, all right? But 
but I went out of the house and I walked into the woods, into this old graveyard and walked around. And I guess to say that I, just to say that I, I, I did it. I mean, I knew I was a believer. I was, I was a born again Christian. Maybe I just wanted to see, you know, what evil spirits might want to come out and I could just maybe tell them in Jesus' name to leave me alone or something like that. I don't know. You know, but I'm glad I didn't see something like that at that graveyard at that night. That would totally have freaked me out. And can you imagine the disciples' look on their faces when this guy came out of this graveyard among the tombs and he saw Jesus? And, and so this story is, is an, amazing, an, an amazing picture of, of demonic power. Now, you're probably not going to meet a demon-possessed man in a graveyard with blood all over him from cutting himself. But I strongly believe you become that I strongly believe that you and I, we can come become oppressed by a demon. Not possessed, okay? Oppressed by a demon. I know I have. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll talk more into that. There are elements in this scene from Mark 5 that we can apply to our uh, possible oppression of demonic activity in this present darkness. So the first thing we can see in the story is we can't bind evil. We can't bind evil. We see this in, in verses three and through four. The, the, the townspeople, they, they tried to bind this guy with chains and with their own power and their own ability, and he broke through that. And so the, the Bible tells us um, nothing about binding Satan or the enemy. The Bible tells us to resist the devil. And he will what? He will flee from you. To resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, what does that look like in your, in your life, in my life? Have you ever had thoughts in your head that you just keep going over and over? And, it could, and you have no idea where they came from and you have no basis or no evidence of these thoughts coming into your head. It could be like, this person thinks you are this, or this person is really talking about you, or this person is this, or, and, and it could be something to do with relationships, it could be something to do with your health, your, your, your worth, your job, whatever. And so these thoughts keep going in your head, and if you let them spin over and over in your head, then, then you are not resisting the devil. You're not resisting the darkness, because the, that is coming from the evil one. It may not be Satan himself, because Satan is not omnipresent. He is not everywhere. But let me tell you something. He is communicating with demonic activity. Absolutely. He is communicating with, with demons, and so that could most likely be coming from the spiritual darkness around you. And so the way to do that is just is to hold those thoughts captive, the Bible says. Hold those thoughts captive to where the devil will flee from you, the enemy will flee from you because you are resisting. So you can bind, you can hold thoughts captive, but you can't hold demonic activity captive. You can cast them out. You have the authority to do that of another person, and you can resist the devil. So the best way to fight it is to resist the devil. You can't bind evil. Second thing we see this, evil spirits know Jesus. We see this in verse six through seven. As soon as a, the demon-possessed man saw Jesus, he ran to him, and the evil spirit started calling Jesus by name. Jesus, son of the most high God, please don't cast us away from this region. They knew exactly who they were dealing with, okay? So the evil spirits around us, they know 
about Jesus and his power and what he can do to them. The evil spirits that are in your life are afraid of the name of Jesus. Let me say that again. The evil spirits in your life are afraid of the name of Jesus. We, we see this in God's word all over, especially this passage. They're afraid of the name of Jesus, the person, the deity of Jesus Christ. And if you have Jesus Christ living in your life, you can say, in Jesus' name, I, I resist you. You are to go away. You are to leave my family alone. You are to be not near me. You are not to be near me. And you can say those things in the name of Jesus. They know who Jesus is. You have that ability, that power to do that. And if there's someone in your life you're praying for, in the name of Jesus, that's how we should pray. I remember my grandfather. Robert Hale Sr. He was a church planter, a pastor, and an incredible man of faith. He would pray everything in the name of Jesus. And he was such, uh, he was such a man of faith. And he would pray prayers over me and our family and others. And, and, and he would resist the devil. And I'm t- it got to the point to where my grandfather was so soaked in the presence of Jesus, the enemy just didn't, they were afraid of him. <laughs> they were afraid of Papa. Right? That was his name. And so my Papa just, he, he was so smothered in Jesus that they were not afraid. I remember the story this time where uh, my, uh, my Papa picked up this hitchhiker. And I don't know why he did that. He's just a kind guy. And, and he picked pick up this hitchhiker, and they were driving. And the hitch, hitchhiker pulled out a gun. And, and he said, pull over. So they brought him out in this cornfield, and he put the gun, held that gun up to him uh, uh, a few feet away. And, um, and my papa said, in the name of Jesus, no weapon formed against me will prosper. He shot the gun. The bullet went straight towards him and dropped to the ground. Didn't hit him. True story. The man realized who he was dealing with, Jesus, in the person of Papa inside of him, and ran away. Now, that right there is power. And there's all kinds of stories about that, all kinds of stories. And, and you may not find them in, in little old Barto, but you'll find them around the world of stories where people, where demonic activity, they are afraid of the name of Jesus. They know who Jesus is. So, we can't bind evil, we can resist it, and then we can resist with the name of Jesus. The third thing we see, the evil spirit has a name. Did you see there in verse nine, Jesus asked what his name is? His name is Legion, Legion. So, what is Legion? Uh, If you look it up, a Roman Legion is a military group made up, get this, of 5,120 men. 5,120 men. Legion, that's what a legion is. We are legion. So if, if, that, many, if that many spirits could, could come inside one man, think of, how many, think of how, how many demons there are in the world. And, and think of how, and it's the same demonic activity, the same demons that were back then in this passage are still in this world today. And so Jesus asked what his name is. His name is Legion. Evil spirits have a name. Jesus 
Jesus tells us that. He shows us that. He's showing us how to deal with that. Evil spirits have a name. You need to call out the evil spirits by name. Well, how do you find out his name? What is your name? Can I tell you something? His name is often related to the situation you're in, okay? For example, if you're going through lust, you demon of lust, you evil spirit of lust, how resist you in the name of Jesus, the, the, the name of Jesus who lives inside of me, you have no room to be around me. In Jesus' name, you are to flee. What about depression? Evil spirit, demon of depression, demon of anger, demon of bitterness, demon of envy, Sickness, the list goes on and on and on. Again, this is not possession. Now, these can be possession by people who aren't followers of Christ, but you can be oppressed by these things. As a Christian, you can be used by the enemy to cause problems. And if you don't think that, you are naive. I'm just being frank with you, <laughs> okay? You are naive to think that Christians cannot be used as the enemy is oppressing them. So it's, it's very important that you call out the evil spirit by name, you evil spirit of whatever is you're dealing with. Another thing we learn is evil spirits inhabit. Evil spirits are always looking for something to inhabit. Um, I mean, we saw that in the passage. Just let us go inhabit something. What about these pigs, these 2,000 pigs, okay? So this is a community. Obviously, it was, it, it was a Gentile community. It wasn't a Jewish community because Jews don't raise pigs. They don't eat pigs. Or they're, they're not allowed to eat pork, right? So this is a Gentile community. And just so you know, they, they just came across um, the Sea of Galilee from uh, Jesus calming the storm. He was in the boat asleep. He calmed the storm. And as soon as that storm was over, they went into um, this town, okay, that was on this, the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And so this, the, that's where the pigs, when they, they ran off a cliff into the Sea of Galilee, into the water. And so uh, their being, the demonic, their being, their nature is maximized by possessing others or oppressing others. If you pray and resist the evil spirits to leave you alone, then they could very well oppress someone else in your family. So let me share this with you. Now, have you ever had a situation where you're just, maybe you're just, you, you feel like you're kind of in a funk, okay? Or there's just some sort of depression or just, you're just not right. It's just like this, you're being oppressed by something, okay? And then you pray against that. And then there's another person in your family who, and this doesn't happen all the time, but if it's, it's experienced in the Bennett house, especially with eight people in our family, the likelihood it, it, is there that someone in the family will then sort of be oppressed by that same spirit. It's happened with Susanna and I before. Absolutely. And, and what we've learned that the more that she and I pray together and pray for our family then the more that those evil spirits who like to oppress people in our family, the more that they're going to be removed from 
our household and not oppress other members of our family. The spirits want to either possess or oppress. That is their job. That is their nature. And so as you pray in the name of Jesus, from them to be far away from you, and as you resist the devil and resist those evil spirits, then there is a likelihood they could even go to some other member of your family to oppress them. That's why you got to pray for your family. Pray for even not just your immediate family, your church family. Evil spirits, even within the church. And, that's, and I'm going to talk about that in two weeks from today, how there is darkness within a church, a body of Christ, and it happens all the time. And he'll, that evil spirit will just kind of move from one family to the next or other person. And so we gotta, you got to pray against that, and you got to pray for protection. This morning at 1030, every Sunday morning, we have prayer time. Now, it is not an organized time of prayer. I don't want to turn it into, well, you need to pray for, you know, my so-and-so, my aunt's big toe or, you know, whatever. And we love your aunt's big toe, okay? You know, that's fine. But we, we, want to, we want to just open this up for people to just pray on their own. I like to kind of walk around. I, I walk and I pray. And what I prayed this morning is that God would send his spirit and his spirit would move and his spirit would talk to people and would minister to people and encourage and inspire people. And that I, while I prayed, I said, God, you keep evil spirits away from this space, from this place. So we need to pray for one another. In the church family, and I'll talk about more about that in a couple of weeks, but also within your immediate family because the evil spirits, they want to move from person to person or family to family. And that's just how they do it. And we see that, okay? And obviously we see it can go into any kind of being, into a, a, a pig, you know, or you know, any kind of animal or whatever. So evil spirits inhabit and then the last thing I want to share from the story is this. We notice how the people responded to this encounter. Did you notice how the people in the village responded? It freaked them out. <laughs> it totally freaked them out. The people begged Jesus to leave. They had driven the possessed man out of town, forcing him to live among the tombs. But they are more comfortable, get this, they're more comfortable with the, with the evil they know than the power they can't control. They are more comfortable with the evil that they know in the man. Okay, this man, we're going to try to bind him. We're going to try to shackle him. He's going to live among the tombs. They're more comfortable with him than the evil that they know than the power of Jesus that they can't control. There, there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the move of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We, we, we only touch the little bit of the iceberg of what the Holy Spirit can do in our life and the power it can have. The same Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that raised Christ from the dead lives in you if you are a believer in Christ Jesus, you invited him. And so sometimes some believers, 
I'm like, oh, I, I don't know about that. I don't know, I don't know about all that power stuff. I, there, there's not, I'd, I'd rather just, just deal with the evil that I know than, than a spirit I can't control. I'll tell you something. The Holy Spirit wants to move in your life. The Holy Spirit wants to help you to drive out evil in your life and your family and beyond. And so don't be like those villagers who they asked Jesus to leave. If, if you're afraid of what the power of Jesus can bring in your life, then you will not receive the full deliverance you are seeking. You've got to be open to the full the fullness of the power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit in your life. Then we see at the end of the story, the changed man wanted to be with Jesus. He's like, Jesus, I, just, I want to be with you. And it makes sense. But what did Jesus say? No, I need you to stay behind. And I need you to tell the people in your town, in your village, your story, and how, and how the Holy Spirit drove them out of your life, and how you are free. You are a new creation. I need you to tell people this. And we see actually two chapters later where Jesus actually came back to that town, and they were more receptive of that. Okay, now it happened much later in time, but, but we see that he came back, and they were more receptive. And the, and the reason why they were more receptive, the guy who was demon-possessed and Jesus changed his life, he shared his story, and people were awed at that. And they realized, man, this is real. Jesus, another reason why Jesus wants to do a work in your life and your power to where you will not be oppressed by demonic activity is so that you can tell others about how you were freed from that, from the oppression of the evil one. And oppression is real. Possession is real, obviously, too. But oppression is real. Even as a believer, you can be oppressed by the enemy. And so Jesus wants to use your story and tell others and people will come to Christ. Because guess what? There are others who need to be set free. Okay? There are. Whether you're sitting here or watching online, there could be a spirit of lust in your life that you lust for those things. And you just, you just, you can't shake it. It's got control of you. And you keep going back to those things. You've got the spirit of anger in your life. And you just can't control that. It has got control of you, not possession, but it's got control of you to the point to where you feel like you're a different person. You're not the person God wants you to be. So whatever it is in your life, I want you to understand the power of Jesus is there. The name of Jesus is there. And he wants to provide deliverance for you. And he wants to do that today. He wants to, he wants to uh, give you that opportunity to, to, to say, Jesus, I trust in you. I believe in you. So every head bowed, every eye closed. As we, as we close out this service, and, and those who are watching online, don't tune out because I want to make sure you have this opportunity as well.
Some of you have been facing things in your life that you're like, man, I keep having this. I keep having this issue that keeps coming up and up over in my life. And, and you keep pointing all back to yourself and, and you think, man, I'm, I'm, just a, I'm just an evil, evil person. Even though I have Jesus in my life, I, I, just, I just don't know what to do with this. It very well could be that you are being oppressed by the enemy. And so I want you to do this. I just want you to say a simple prayer. Say, dear Jesus, deliver me from this spirit. Help me to resist this spirit. Help me, Lord, to go to God's word against this spirit. Help me, Lord, to walk in freedom and to fight from victory, not for victory. And for those who uh, feel like you have darkness inside of your life and you don't know how to get rid of that, let me tell you, the reason you have darkness is because there's no light inside and because maybe you have not accepted Christ as Savior. You've not invited him into your life. And so if you've never done that, I'm going to give you that opportunity. Either here right now or watching online, you're watching live or watching later, you can say a prayer like this. Say, dear God, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for forgiving me, I confess my sin to you. I confess my darkness to you. Jesus, come inside me and be the light that I need. Remove this evil far away from me. I accept you as Lord and Savior. Please be my Savior and be my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, every, you guys will look up. I, I just, I want to make sure you understand that you, you don't need to be doing this alone. It's okay to tell others and to show others. You could talk to me, you could talk to other believers that you know are walking with Jesus. I want you to just be up front and open with people. Look, I've, I just feel like I'm, I'm just being oppressed by the Spirit. He keeps lingering, keeps hanging around. And let me tell you, it, the Spirit does that to pastors too. Trust me. <laughs> all the time, to where I have to say, you know what, just, you know, devil, in Jesus' name, and you just resist, and you take those thoughts captive, and you keep marching on, and you keep going, because guess, guess what, the devil is trying to pull you down to that area that your thoughts, where those thoughts are coming from, pull you and remind you time and time again, and you need to resist that and move on. Enough is enough. God doesn't want you to live in, in, that, in that valley. He wants you on the mountaintop. He wants you to walk in victory because you can, because Jesus has already defeated the enemy. Hey, um, we encourage you to have a safe time tonight. Cheer on the Braves. They could do it tonight, right? They could do it tonight. Yes, absolutely. And so next week, you don't want to forget uh, Breakfast Sunday. Take the uh, information about Mission Christmas. Check it out and uh, be ready to, to adopt some kids and go ahead and sign up. We love you guys. We'll see you all back next week. Thank you.